Hey, it's Tyler here. Just wanted to let you know that this podcast is actually going to be split into two parts. We set out originally to do just one full episode, but we ended up having a lot of audio and we really didn't want to cut it down. So I ended up making it a two-parter. So after you listen to this one, make sure you listen to episode five, part two. Thanks for listening. Bulletin Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Williams, and joining me today as a guest co-host is Mark Rembert. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you haven't listened to my previous episode where Mark talks about local economic data, I strongly recommend giving that a listen. It is a little longer, but it goes a long way in explaining how the city got to where it is uh, and a lot more, especially in regards to employment data. Um, so today, Mark and I are going to kind of switch gears, and we're going to talk about Strong Towns. And Strong Towns is an initiative that was started several years ago. It focuses on understanding why some places really thrive and, and some places fail, and what can we learn from that, uh, both you know mostly a, from a government angle and an infrastructure angle. Uh, they have an excellent website. It's lots of good information at strongtowns.org. If you're interested in what we're talking about today, I strongly recommend that you go to that website, check out what they've got. They've even got a podcast where they talk to a lot of different people who are uh, using this initiative in in their towns and and a variety of other things and talk about some of the research that's gone into it. So we're going to talk about the Strong Town Strength Test uh, as a jumping off point for continued discussion about the city's future. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about our reactions to questions on the strength test, uh, some, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the remarks that people have given um, who gave us their feedback. So, Mark, you've gone over the strengths test. We've talked a little bit about it. Are you ready to go? Yep, let's do it. All right. So, question number one. Take a photo of your main street at midday. Does the picture show more people than cars? Mark, I'll let you start this one off. Um, yeah, so I think the question is definitely no. Um, main street at midday does not have more pe- people than cars. And having worked on um, both Main Street and South Street for many years, I can uh, definitely attest to the fact that on basically any day, probably any time of day really, there are more peop- more cars than people um, on Main Street. Yeah, and, and I, I completely agree with that one. I think even when there's a, a big show at the Murphy Theater or uh, Third Friday, even at some of those events, you still see more cars going through, through downtown. Um, a big part of that certainly is 22 and 3 and 68 being being two of the main uh, arteries going through downtown and they uh, people people are just driving through town constantly on those there's a lot of truck tra- truck traffic um, some of the pedestrian traffic is is minimal uh, like Mark said and then it, it does improve during summer but but again like Mark said it's really not uh, almost non-existent um, 
a lot of times of the year. So a little bit of, of listener feedback on this one. Uh, Rhonda Weasler, she's a downtown business owner of the Crave. So she's someone else that has seen the, um, that sees downtown every day and, and, and works downtown almost every day. So she said it, it's just a flat no. She, she was right there with us. It's not even a, not even a qualified no on this one. It's, it's just a flat out no. So what is, what do they mean, Mark, when, when they're looking at this question? Um, what, what is Strong Towns looking at? What, what's the general broader issue that they're, they're trying to hone in on? Well, so I think, and, and you know, as we've, you know, I've been fortunate to have been part of a lot of discussions about downtown over the years. Um, and, you know, I think they're sort of that the, the, the sort of gut reaction that people have to, I think, a question like this is, how do we get more businesses downtown? That tends to be the way people think of it. The idea being that you need to have things to attract people downtown to get pedestrians to come downtown. And I've definitely been in that camp at times, but I think over the years, my thinking has really evolved in this issue. And I'll credit Strong Towns. I mean, they, they've really helped me uh, think about this question differently. And so really over time, uh, I, I've come to really see this more as an infrastructure issue than a, a business issue. So um, it's not that we don't have enough pedestrians to support, or we don't have enough uh, businesses to attract pedestrians downtown. It's that we don't have enough pedestrians downtown to support businesses in the, the, the uh, business district, the downtown business district. And, um, and so a big, a big part of that is the way our roads are, are constructed. So I think if you if you look, if you, if you take a step back and you look at the, the streets that run through downtown, over the years, they've been constructed to be uh, throughputs. They are, they've been constructed to get, to move traffic as quickly as possible through the downtown, not to bring traffic to the downtown. And, um, you know, when you look at old pictures of downtown Wilmington, it's a very different um, landscape. And, and largely that's because we've widened the, the street, the drivable street portion of the, the roads. And so because the roads are so wide, um, they, they encourage traffic to move very quickly through them. Um, and, I, and I will say, I mean, you can actually see what happens when you sort of reduce traffic flow or you slow traffic flow. Um, you know, after the bypass was built, much less truck traffic started going down Main and Locust Street. Mm -hmm. And having, you know, the chamber office used to be on South Street. And when I worked there, it was so loud, you couldn't even walk out of the office and have a conversation on your phone because the traffic noise was so loud. Then moving to Main Street, it was like night and day. Um, there's much less truck traffic. And, uh, and as a result, it's a much more pleasant place to be. And what's interesting is when you look at over the last, you know, two or three years, where has most of the development been on in um, downtown Wilmington? It's on Main Street. That is where the investment is right now. That's where the activity is. And I think that that is actually a reflection of the fact that that is now a much more pedestrian friendly street than South Street is. And downtown businesses that require walk in, like require people to actually walk into the business are going to be much more successful when um, pedestrians are able to get there in a, in a, in a pleasurable way. 
Um, and so, you know, something I often hear people say is, well, we can't do anything because, because it's a state route. We don't have control. You know, I think for a lot of people, the, 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 you know, in this area, the model downtown is Yellow Springs, right? Like when people say, well, what does a, a really thriving small town downtown look like? People think of Yellow Springs. Right. And so State Route 68, which is South Street and runs through the heart of downtown Wilmington, also runs through the heart of downtown Yellow Springs. And I would encourage listeners who are interested in this to visit Yellow Springs and be much more conscious of the infrastructure that the city has put in to control traffic in the downtown. They narrow the street as it gets into downtown with parking. They put in flashing um, pedestrian crosswalks to basically inform drivers that this is a pedestrian area. Pedestrians have the right of way and that that helps to slow down the traffic and 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 stop uh, drivers from from plowing through the downtown so quickly. And as a result, it creates a very pedestrian-friendly environment. And so when you drive through downtown Yellow Springs in a car, you actually feel like you are out of place. There are tons of pedestrians on the street. It's very slow going. It's not pleasant as a driver because you have to be really conscientious of all the pedestrians around you. Whereas in downtown Wilmington, it's the complete opposite. The pedestrian is the one that's out of place in downtown because we build infrastructure that is... 100% 100% focused on cars. And so it's then not surprising that we don't have a lot of pedestrian traffic in the downtown. And then that that's really why businesses, I think, struggle in our downtown. Um, it's not because of the, the consumer base. It's not because there aren't enough businesses. It's because the infrastructure is not set up to support businesses uh, that can function in, in a historic district like our downtown. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I know walking down... Uh, South Street. We'll talk a little bit more about walkability and in, in another question a little bit later. But uh, people, a lot of people know that there's a crosswalk on South Street between Main and Locust, uh, kind of right by the municipal building. And if you're like me, crossing that crosswalk uh, becomes a little bit more of a reminder of playing Frogger than it does walking through a, an actual crosswalk in a street. So future, you know, Mark touched on this, as far as the future of, of our infrastructure is concerned, it, it is a, important for us to really focus on how we design our downtown areas to, to serve pedestrians because that is what's gonna help, help businesses thrive. So Mark, on this one, uh, we, we, we said we would give it a rating um, we're we're going to go from a one to five scale with a one being a really strong no and a, and a five being a really strong yes. Uh, where, where do you, where do you rate this one? I would give this a one. For yeah. sure. <laughs> I would, I would, it's a pretty solid one. Uh, there, there's not a lot of wiggle room on that one. And, and just to add one, one thing, you know, in terms of the future, even though this is definitely one of the, I think, biggest issues facing, um, the efforts to really make downtown Wilmington a thriving place. There is work being done on this. I know Taylor Stucker at the Regional Planning Commission is currently working uh, with Becca Muchmore at Main Street Wilmington on a downtown pedestrian study. Um, and from what 
from what Taylor's told me, um, they've been working with an engineer to evaluate the pedestrian accidents in the downtown. And it sounds like the results are coming back and affirming what we've already discussed, that uh, the number of pedestrian accidents that are just reported downtown are much higher than they should be, uh, given the traffic volume that moves through the town, um, which speaks to the fact that our infrastructure is uh, not set up for pedestrian safety or pedestrian comfort. Um, so that'll be, it'll be really interesting when that study is complete in the next couple of months, and that will hopefully provide some, um, some motivation to continue working on this issue. Yeah, definitely. And, and certainly looking forward to that. Um, All right. So the next question, question number two, um, if there were a revolution in your town, would people instinctively know where to gather to participate? So do you have, how did you think of, this is sort of an interesting question. How did you think about it? Yeah, so, so my first thought was, well, what kind of a revolution? Um, and, and the more I thought about that, I think I almost got too specific with it. I got kind of caught up in the, in, in the specifics of the question without really thinking of where is the gathering space uh, in, in Wilmington? Um, you know, the, throughout the year, there are a couple of pretty big events uh, we're reporting on on Sunday before you know hopefully the fireworks take place at the at the park and, and that's where you know the banana split festival is we have the fairgrounds that have the corn festival in the fair there's a few events downtown like holodazzle uh, but there's there's no real city center for for the vast majority of the population probably if you ask some people that live around downtown probably especially um, especially younger professionals they might say that, you know, a few places downtown, uh, but I would imagine that if you ask different portions of the population, they do feel a little bit, um, you know, there, there is no, no real strong city center uh, that, that would kind of accommodate that. Um, I don't know, Mark, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I guess I thought of it sort of from the perspective of where is the civic center? Because they sort of frame it in terms of a revolution. So I kind of imagine like if there was some sort of like civic crisis, where would people go to sort it out? And yeah, I mean, I think similarly, I don't think there's one clear place. There could be several places. People could go to the courthouse. People could go to the municipal building. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think... I, I guess I've always been shocked, you know, when I was working at the chamber, we would often get calls from people and I was, uh, I was often surprised at how few people knew where the municipal building was mm -hmm. or knew where the courthouse is. I think these are to me landmark buildings that, <laughs> right. uh, and, and I think it, when people don't know where they are, it speaks to a lack of civic engagement. And so that's sort of how I thought about this question, like how civically engaged is your community? Because if it's a, a very civically engaged place, then it should be very easy to answer where would people go in the midst of a civic crisis. Yeah, that's um, and, and I'm not sure there's like a, a very clear answer to that, which, which speaks to sort of something about the, the civic life of the community to me. Um, yeah, that's I think that's a great point. That's a that's a good way to look at it. Um, there is, you know, I, I'm I'm a frequent visitor, uh, and I know that we, we both go to city council 
on a, on a fairly frequent basis. I try to make it to every meeting. And I've talked about this recently, especially with the, um, with the commissioners, is that a lot of, a lot of it is you know, that there just aren't a lot of people at those, at those meetings who are, who are going to get engaged. Um, we saw with a couple of local issues recently where people got really, really interested in it, but kind of from a, you know, from a distance to a certain extent. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good way to look at it, at it is, is where is the civic life, um, I have one one listener, Greg Law, uh, who's who's been around town for a while. Um, used to be uh, the director of the YMCA. He said that it, it kind of depends on the issue. Um, that that you know, Wilmington College at points has kind of been almost a, a place of uh, of an active civic life. Uh, back certainly during during certain wars uh, where there were there was a lot of engagement, uh, especially peaceful protests, um, and then you know the the court he meant also mentioned the the courthouse square, and I agree with Mark to a certain extent. Uh, if we you know if we all decided to meet up at the municipal building in the courthouse square, we probably would have to uh, make sure that everyone had a map to those places. Although you know most people know where the courthouse is, but if you've never been in Wilmington and seen it, and it is an incredible building. Uh, you certainly wouldn't know where it is. So that's, I, I think it does. You know, we kind of we we talked about how it affects, uh, you know, what kind of what the what this question means and what the deeper meaning is. I think it really is uh, having a place where where people gather, especially when it's regard in, in regards to engaging in the civic life, um, and and we. We don't have a lot of that. We have, I think there's evidence out there that there are a lot of people who are interested in local politics or, or local government. Uh, and it's, it's hard to tell whether they're, whether they're not quite certain how they get involved, um, you know, on a, on a very personal level. But I'm, I'm certainly in agreement that we don't have a place where people would really instinctively go to participate, where they would immediately, um, they would immediately say, okay, well, this is, you know, this is where we need to go. So Mark, uh, one to five, again, no being strong yes. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about like, what do these look like on the extremes? As I was like trying to think about how I would score this. And so to me, five, like strong yes, I think of like, a New England town where civic, like local civic government engagement is really high. They have those like town meetings where everybody like comes together and, right. and they, but like all of those cities are like built around town squares. So like right. it's very, that to me is like the strong five. The one I think of like Westchester, like totally suburbanized mm-hmm. where there's like no, there's like no distinctive downtown or anything. And so I actually think that we're probably in like when I think of it like that, I think we're more towards a five than a one. Yeah. Like I, I think that we have like infrastructure that supports the idea of like a center as opposed to when I think about like Mason or something, like where would those people know where to go? Like how would they know where to go? Like I would have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and, that, and that's actually a really good point. Um, and it speaks again to what a lot of these other questions will, will speak to. And that is the, 
the design of of cities and, and how are how are places designed to to meet you know kind of an ends and, and we are you know the courthouse is is very close to the the center of of Wilmington um, so yeah I, I can see us us being being a little bit being closer to that in part because that's a really good point um, that I hadn't thought about is is the design of the city of Wilmington really lending itself towards having a having a center place um, that that people would go. So I'd give it a four. Okay, I can I, I I'd be in agreement. With I was leaning more towards a two or a three, but then when I started thinking about like giant suburban areas, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I you'd have no idea where to go there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I worked in not lived in, but the city that I worked in um, out in Arizona, the. The town hall was right next to and kind of almost part of a plan development, but most of the people that actually lived in the town lived like another exit down the highway, and it was almost a separation. There was yeah. there, there was a separation of uh, of pecan groves basically, so there were there were almost two towns. So that one, uh, that town would probably be there'd probably be like three different gatherings, and and you could figure out where like the three gatherings were. But to imagine one place. Um, that would be you know that where there is a city center. So all right. So let's do let's go to question three. Question three is one that we uh, we kind of had some some discussion about to try to figure out you know what exactly what exactly the question is getting at. So imagine your favorite street in down or in town didn't exist. Uh, could it be built today? If the construction had to follow your local rules, and so Mark, I'll have you start on that, and, and I'll have you kind of explain how we've decided to tackle that question as far as um, focusing a little bit more on on the buildings. Yeah, so I mean, I thought of it as, I mean, my first, my favorite street, I would say, is Main Street in um, downtown Wilmington, and uh, so I thought about it as. If we were to reconstruct Main Street, given the kind of density that it's at today, could we do that based on the the building restrictions or the building requirements? Um, and I have to, I mean, this is where I feel like I know the least. So I feel a little, it is hard for me to like feel confident, but right. my, my, my gut is that we couldn't. Right. And the, the way I thought about it was parking. So like, unless you built a building, you probably never thought about the city parking requirements, off-street parking requirements, but that's actually a really big part of constructing a new building in the city is um, the city uh, says you have to have, uh, depending on the type of structure and the type of use, different parking requirements. And so uh, to kind of put it into context, um, I thought about like if we were to build a two-story building with retail on the first floor and an apartment on the second floor, like let's say a two-bedroom apartment on the second floor and a like maybe we'll say a sixteen hundred square feet of um, retail space on the first floor. The city requires, so let's start with the retail, the first floor. The city requires that a retail space 
provide one parking spot per 200 square feet of floor area. So if we had a 1600 foot retail space, which is not a huge retail space, I'd say that's probably close yeah. to what most of the retail spaces are downtown. That building would have to provide eight parking spots for the retail space. Um, then if we were to put in a two bedroom studio or a two bedroom apartment above it, we would also have to provide, we'd have to provide two additional spaces for that. So to, so a two bedroom apartment and a 1600 square foot retail space would require 10 parking spots on site. So I think when we think about that and like the size of the lots in the downtown, putting 10 parking spots in one of those lots would basically take most of the lot. There'd be no room left for the building. Yeah. And so the current restrictions would make it nearly impossible to, uh, to build that, that building. Yeah, and you can see that I think uh, with, so there are some exemptions because it's, it's an H1 zone. I guess they're not really exemptions, but they're just ways that you can kind of work within the system. Uh, that, that neither Mark nor I had heard about. Um, but for the most part, I mean, that, that is the, those are the requirements of, uh, for the city of Wilmington. And you can see where that really played a big issue uh, on the corner of, is that, is that uh, Main Street and Main and Wood? About the oh, event, yeah, the, the new funeral home. Yeah, the yeah. new funeral home. Um, a lot of that, you know, that, that became essentially a really big parking parking lot and that was because of uh, because of the parking requirements and, and, and you certainly see here uh, a place where some rezoning you know getting some some new zoning that really focuses on on form could help out with some of these issues and and I think that's one of the things that the um, that the the G1 the, the gateway zoning was was going after was uh, making it so we're not having to build these these very large um, parking lots, but there are some there are certainly some options that we can look at uh, as we as we move forward to make sure that that we you know that that we can encourage density, and that's really what this one um, that's that's really what what this one's all about. I think is is the ability to to encourage density and to use space appropriately uh, as, as much as you can. And, and Mark, I think you had a good point about the, uh, the value, and, and I think it was of, of each space. So when you're looking at having empty space, a lot of empty spaces, um, that it can certainly, you know, if, if you have to build a huge parking lot downtown, then you're taking away from retail space and taking away from um, yeah, take, take parking doesn't generate any value or wealth yeah. for the community. Right, it's the things that it's the retail, it's the housing, it's the all of that is what um, generates value and wealth. And so, if we prioritize parking over the things that actually generate value, then we're going to eventually drain ourselves. And I think that's there's a temptation to do that. It's um, you know, you know, I think if we thought about could we build the density of downtown in another part of the city, the answer is definitely no. Yeah. No, that's 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 a good way to look at it for sure. 
And that's like what people, you know, when people think about what is the town, they, they think of that density. And, you know, the fact is, is like these buildings were built before cars mm-hmm. and they continue to exist. And they can, and, and most people would say they are the things that we care about the most. They, they are the things that, they are the buildings that make the town the town. And yet we, we like refuse, we, we, we have a difficult time to recognize that we can build infrastructure that's not car focused and it can still work mm-hmm. because we've done it before and, right. it, and it works. Right, right. And if anything, it doesn't work now because it's forced to compete with you know infrastructure that is car focused. Yeah. It's in conflict with the, the infrastructure around it. But yeah, actually I just found the funeral home one. Mm-hmm. 10 parking spots per visitation and waiting room. So if you have a funeral home and you have 10 parking, 10, you have a visitation and a waiting room, you have to provide 20 parking spots for that. And that, yeah, that, and that might not sound like a ton, but man, once you get into the anywhere near downtown, that is a lot of space that you're taking up. And, and again, you're, you're taking that up for parking instead of, um, instead of more, more development and more, uh, well, and also like parking is just not attractive. Like that's true. Nobody, nobody was like, nobody drives to a place and says, wow, that parking lot really looked great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if, if you, if they did that, you're probably spending too much time, uh, designing parking lots, but no, that's, that's a great point. Uh, people do, people look at Wilmington and I think that they look at the buildings and, and everything that we've got going on, and that that is their big takeaway. You know, when we have when we have people visiting, um, and, and even you know people that live here. So, uh, we talked. I think we kind of talked about this. Had had a little bit of listener feedback um, on that one. Mostly, uh, mostly people saying that they weren't sure, and, and I think that that's totally fair. The the knowledge of of zoning laws and, and building laws in in Wilmington, um, you know, it's it's like it would be in most towns. It's not it's not special to Wilmington. People don't know much about it unless it's going to directly affect them. And and, and as far as I know, nobody's tried to build. Nobody who responded has tried to build a building downtown recently. So so they probably don't know exactly uh, what a lot of the the zoning laws are that require that require the parking spaces and, and all that good stuff. So Mark, one being strong no, five being strong yes. I, th- I, think, I, I think I'm gonna say around, around a two. Um, yeah, I guess like if we were, if, if it were, could we, if we were to, if like Main Street were to be leveled tomorrow and we had to rebuild it, would the current zoning allow for it? I might give it a two because I, I, but only because I'm not totally familiar with the <laughs> exceptions that are allowed in the historic zoning area. Right. But if we were to build a build, if we were going to try to build the density of Main Street anywhere else in town, it would definitely, definitely be, be a, a no. A solid one, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree on that one. All right, number four. Is an owner of a single family home able to get permission to add a small rental unit onto their property without any real hassle? So for this one, I had to uh, rely a little bit on Taylor Stuckert, um, who is again, the the, uh, director of the Regional Planning Commission. And Taylor said, you know, really not in in the vast majority of areas, 
you know, sometimes you could get a, a variance or, or whatever it may be, but there's the, the current zoning for new building is more about kind of the, the plan developments and not adding on to current spaces, or at least it's not meant to encourage that. And, and, and this is another question that goes after that, that density issue of if you're having more people living near the city core, you're going to have more pedestrians downtown, you're going to have, um, you know, certainly, certainly more and more active uh, walkability space than, than you would otherwise. Um, and then it, it does, you know, I think it, it also speaks to the issue of really focusing on, on what specific things can be built, like our zoning focuses so much on what specific things can be built instead of how will all of this look in the end and, and, and what kind of form are we producing. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that this gets at is does our zoning and building code allow neighborhoods to evolve over time? And so when, you know, we, we, have, we usually, you know, part of the, the challenge with zoning is you put it in place for a point, of time, point in time with a given population, a given economy. I mean, there are all these factors that... Uh, or that sort of determine how you might zone or the requirements you might put in place or even how people build in different parts of the city at a, at a certain point in time. And then we expect that all those, those, those different um, parameters are fixed, but they're not. They evolve over time. And so, um, so you know, I think in order to keep places strong and healthy, there needs to be a certain amount of flexibility to allow the use or the structure of a, of a, of a given piece of property in the, the community to evolve and to change and to have the ability to generate new value. And I think this is, you know, this is, this question gets at that, like, can, can people generate, if there's demand for more housing in the downtown area, and maybe small houses are, are what people want, then are we providing the, the flexibility for people to, to meet that demand? Or are we right. artificially um, restricting it uh, because, of, because the restrictions were put in place at a different, in a different time where different people and, and different preferences? Right, and it, it almost makes it easier to, do, to build like a new planned community um, or, or planned neighborhood than it does to just add a add more to the space that we already have um, downtown and certainly you know like we've said working with working with space creatively and, and it is so much about uh, increasing the amount of of wealth that is generated you know if you look at like kind of the wealth generated per square foot. Um, it, it's going to be a lot more if you allow for more density than, again, if you've got open spaces, especially where there is, where, where like Mark said, where we're looking at if, if there were increased demand and if there were a lot of evidence to show that there were increased demand for um, smaller like guest houses or whatever it may be in the downtown area that, 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 that there was a movement towards that, uh, it would be really hard for us as a town for, to, um, to adjust to that, I think. But this is one where certainly it's 
Yeah, this one, this is a tough one for me because I, I didn't know a lot about it, and I still, um, I still don't think that I know a lot about a lot about how our zoning works. I, I think our zoning is pretty confusing, uh, and I know that that's one thing that the city has talked about is making you know certainly city council has talked about how do we work to make our zoning uh, more streamlined and, and more effective and, and you do hope that part of that is going to be making sure that we can we can adjust uh, we can we can adjust the way that we build and the way that we interact with the space and I, I'm not sure that it does that yet so mark uh, Man, this one, this is a tough one for me. One, one to five. Um, my, I, I might give it a two, only okay. because someone could probably do it, and the city wouldn't enforce it. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I mean that's pretty accurate. I think there is a, a certain level of, um, you know, with we have one person, we have a one person building and zoning department in the in the city. Uh, it's it's difficult to to enforce all of these all of these issues, um, you know whether it's a a build first, ask questions later, or a or you know asking for a variance early on. Um, I have to agree somewhere, yeah, somewhere around the two. All right, moving on to question five. Um, this is one that, that I think had you asked this question 10 years ago, it would have been a lot different, but if your largest employer left town, are you confident that the city would survive? I, I mean, I think that yes, I do feel confident now. Um, you know, our, our largest employer I think now is probably ATSG, um, which I think has roughly twelve hundred employees, so you know today employment is distributed across many employers as opposed to concentrated in one. So um, you know it would definitely be difficult, but I think we would, and I think especially now. I mean, if we were to imagine like one employer, our largest employer leaving, but everybody else staying. Most so many other local companies are expi are expanding and hiring that I think, oh you know, a decent amount of the the employees that would be laid off would um would be able to get jobs at other firms if if they desire to so um so that yeah yeah I, I can definitely see that certainly my my biggest fear and the thing that I thought of first on this would be the loss of uh, income tax revenue for the city you know as we kind of have been have been talking about that a lot and i think you're right mark i think there would be a lot of ability for some of those employees to find new work um ultimately the city would 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 very likely survive but it really is it really really is dependent on um weathering what would hopefully be a short-term kind of smaller storm than what we saw in, in 2008, 2009. Uh, you know, the, the difference between um, losing, you know, your, your biggest employer being almost like, what, 
maybe 10 times as large as your next, next biggest versus being about twice as large. I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and that's really what the spirit of this question is. Uh, strong towns aren't entirely dependent, um, you know, for the most part on really, really large employers because we saw what happened in Wilmington and Clinton County. It, it was, you know, when you, when you are, are so dependent on one employer, it really, really becomes a, a totally um, vital for that place to stay open because of the amount of uh, of uh, of jobs and amount of of certainly tax base that they provide to the city. Um, so I think that that you know, kind of getting to that getting to that core of the issue. Uh, we really are in, in much better shape. We're, we're much better diversified. We have several pretty large employers in the town now, uh, but nothing, no employer that completely by itself outshines basically all of the other employers. Because, you know, I would imagine the air park, what back, you know, with, in the ABX days and then DHL, that had to have employed almost, you know, like, almost what I don't know how many what percentage of the people who were employed in Wilmington but it was a significant percentage yeah um, it's a lot I'm not now. sure exactly but yeah much more than today yeah so uh, I, I personally would give this one a four just because of my hesitation of the the short-term effects Mark what about you I think four is pretty good yeah and that's again that's that is you know if had you asked that question I think 10 years ago, even though there was a lot more positivity, I, I think that the realistic answer would have had to have been, no, there's no, there's no way that you could have been confident. And, and frankly, the city is still, it almost remains to be seen. I mean, the city is still in, in, in rough shape, although by, by almost all measures, things are improving. Like Mark said, there are a lot of employers out there that are hiring, they're really looking for a certain, um, a certain skill set, so so we need to work on making sure that we're getting those skilled workers out there. But we 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 have weathered uh, weathered that storm, and and now we're kind of hoping that we don't have another one. But knowing that if we do, the the effects would be a lot different.